Good Sunday morning, Iowa. It's Dr. Rick Godding. Thank you for spending some time with me here today as we trudge through this winter and back into the new year. Now, the good news is spring is only two months away. You know, it's it's interesting because we think of, you know, you think of the seasons and, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall, they're all three months. And although winter technically only started January 20th, yeah, I mean, I mean, December's winter to me, right? I mean, it's, and March is spring. So we're getting there. We're getting there. So every once in a while, I get a request in my office. Someone will call the office and have a request. The last one, I'll say it again, is I was talking about this book that I read called The Pilgrim's Progress. And really good book written in sort of older English because it was written in 1678 by a guy named John Bunyan. It's theological fiction. You know, it's basically the biblical narrative through through a fictional account. Um, but it's really good. It's easy to read. There's a f- there's some words you got to kind of sometimes have your dictionary handy because it's older English and there's certainly some of the terms are not used that much and some of them are just extensively uh, verbose, but it, great book. So I got another request more recently. <laughs> so this is for you, whoever called. As someone called and said that they have a relative who needs a knee replacement and is really scared about it and they wanted me to help convince them to have it done. So I would just say this as a rule, I never try to convince anybody to have a knee replacement done. I mean, even to the point where, you know, the the patients oftentimes I'll tell them the whole situation about their knee and what the options are. And they say, well, what would you do? And I say, if it was me, I would have a knee replacement. And, you know, that's about as close as I ever get. If a patient's having a difficult time with a decision and they understand everything, I never say, oh, you really should get it done because I just don't think that's a good way to operate. Nevertheless, it is good to have all the information because there's a lot of misconceptions out there about knee replacements. And so I'll try to go through some of those today. One of the first ones that I still get is, oh, those only last 10 years. That is... It's almost like horse and buggy times. I don't want, you know, not, I mean, my entire career, that has not been true. When I was in medical school, they still were saying that, but the evidence was starting to shift. By the time I started my residency, we were just transitioning into some new materials, and I'll talk about that a little bit. And by the time I started my practice, the new materials had been put out into general consumption by all the manufacturers. So we now expect 20 to 25 years out of a knee replacement if everything goes well. So point number one is that the knee replacement is going to last 15 to 20 years rather than 10 years. So longevity is totally different than it was. So if people are concerned, oh, well, I don't want to have it done because I'm going to have to have it redone in 10 years, that's just not the case anymore. I'm going to kind of go through them again in greater detail in a minute, but I'm going to go through sort of some of the high points. Number two is the, is the pain. So pain after knee replacement. So five, hmm, maybe six or seven years ago, what I used to do is I would 
I would just not pay a lot of attention to what the anesthesiologist was doing. I would let them do their thing. And then I would give the patients a little button to press in the hospital and they could press this button every five minutes and get morphine. And then I would give them big doses of, of, uh, opioids to, uh, go home with usually oxycodone. So I say, I, I mean, this was how it was done. It wasn't just me. And then there were really started to have a shift when the, one of the things that happened probably about 10 years ago is the anesthesiologists in different places started using more blocks. So a nerve block. So what that is, is they put some long acting lidocaine down by where the nerve that supplies pain to the knee is. And that helps after the surgery with pain. And then going to what we call spinal anesthesia, which is the same as pregnant women have. They actually have an epidural and what we use is a spinal, but same thing. As far as, as just explaining it on a level that everybody can understand, it's a needle in the back and it helps reduce the pain. So we're, so we're transitioning into that. This is six, seven years ago. And then I was really interested in, well, how can we improve this? Because we used to have patients in the hospital. When I was in medical school, a knee replacement was four days in the hospital. Anyway, three to five days in the hospital, all comers. Nowadays, and I'll get back to this in a minute, Medicare wants, they're very vague, okay? They, what they did is they took the knee replacements off of what they called inpatient only so that Medicare will pay for knees to be done on an outpatient basis. Well, Medicare considers outpatient anything under 24 hours of admission. So now they're pushing that everybody only spend one night in the hospital. It's a very strong push from Medicare. Now, in my practice, I have a fair number of people who are older and not everybody at all is appropriate for going home the day after surgery. Um, and I don't send anybody home the day of surgery because I don't see any big advantage to it. I mean, you know, a night in the hospital, especially with the average age of my patients, I mean, things kind of come up sometimes. And so, but anyway, as I'm, I'm going forward back in the day, looking for different ways to reduce the pain. And I was looking into some different things and I started talking to the anesthetist about what they're doing during the surgery and suggested some things like IV Tylenol and some other things. Now we sometimes will give a little dose of steroids. And then I, you know, that was improving and improving, but it was still five years ago, I was still giving Oxycontin, actually, the long-acting oxycodone. I was just giving one the night before, and then I would give one in the hospital. And then I found out that that really made some people woozy and everything. So I wanted to get rid of that. And just about then is when the Iovera came out. So the Iovera, I've talked about a multitude of times. If this is your first time hearing about it, it's a procedure that you do, that I do before all my knee replacements. And I bring you into the office two weeks prior to the surgery, and we freeze the nerves on the front of the knee with a, a little special machine called an Iovera machine. And it causes the nerves to not perceive pain for three to six months. And that really, but this is only the nerves on the front of the knee, but that's right where the incision is. And instead of giving the oxycodone when you go home, we now give hydrocodone, which is less, and tramadol, which we want you to wean off to, and gabapentin, which is a nerve blocker. 
And then I give a, a block with some lidocaine in the back of the capsule of the knee. So the back part of the joint in the knee while I'm doing the operation. So gone from basically not doing a whole lot preoperatively and doing general anesthesia and giving people a button to press. And I mean, that was a rough go and staying in the hospital several days and most of the time just getting the pain under control by day two or so and not bending the knee all that far when they leave the hospital. I used to have patients leave the hospital and they can only bend their knee 30 degrees. Now almost everybody bends 90 degrees on the, the day after surgery. So now what we've gone to is I'm giving Celebrex, which is an anti-inflammatory the night before. We're doing the spinal anesthesia, the what they call an adductor canal block, which the anesthesiology team does before the surgery. I do the posterior capsular block during the surgery. We're giving gabapentin, the nerve blocker, anti-inflammatory, and two different lower levels of opioids. One is an opioid, one's not. So hydrocodone and tramadol. And then I give a uh, topical anesthesia that you can rub on the leg outside of the incision or around the incision, so not putting it right on there. But this cream uh, has lidocaine and an anti-inflammatory in it, and that helps. So we're just attacking it with a bunch of different things. Plus now, most recently, is the addition of, of the Mako robot, which I'm still talking about pain control here. But it blends in with the Mako robot, which is the robot I use to do the total knees with. So the Mako robot allows us to make cuts very precisely and in anatomic position. So previously, or well, the way it's done almost everywhere else, if if they don't have a Mako robot, I mean, there's a couple other robots out there, but none of them are, I'll be honest, none of them are even comparable to the Mako as evidenced by the fact that the Mako costs like 1.2 million and some of these other ones cost 300,000. And I mean, if you pay for a Cadillac or you pay for a Hyundai, you get a Cadillac or a Hyundai. Hyundai will get you down the road, but I don't know if that's a great analogy. But anyway, I was offered actually free a a competing robot with the Mako and um, I didn't want it because I didn't think it was very good. And so luckily the hospital was supportive of getting the Mako robot. So when you don't use robotic surgery, everybody's getting essentially the same bony cuts. And then you release the ligaments so that you can balance the knee. So in other words, the the femoral cut, we know it's always 5 degrees. And the tibial cut, we we know it's always 90 degrees. Or I guess 85 and 90 would be how you could, another way to think of it. But... With the Mako robot, we're able to, number one, we have a CT scan and we have a 3D modeled CT scan in the operating room and we're getting real-time feedback of exactly where the knee needs to be cut based on the ligament tension. So we make the cuts and then we don't have to release the ligaments off the bone. And that in and of itself, releasing those ligaments off the bone creates a lot of pain and stiffness after the knee replacement. And that's why my patients have much, much less pain and stiffness. So there's all these reasons that the pain control is much, much better. So again, we're going back to, if you're just joining, I had someone call the office and ask me if I could help convince someone in their family who's reluctant to have a knee replacement. Now, again, I don't really, I don't like the idea of convincing, but I'm, I'm informing what is different now to what in the past were some reasons that might make people afraid. 
Okay, so longevity. So going over that. So it used to be that total knees lasted 10 years, and now they last 20 or so, maybe 25. And they should last that long if they're done properly. And so the other thing is the overall rates of infection and blood clot have come down over time. There's some things that we do with respect to infection. So what we used to do, let's say six or seven years ago, is we would uh, essentially use our sterile technique in the operating room and we would consider things like operative time. Now, I happen to be a relatively fast surgeon, so that's never been an issue for me. But the, the shorter the surgical time, the lower chances of infection and blood clot. With respect to newer things that have come along. So about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, might've been longer. We started giving people antibiotics in their nose the week prior to surgery. And then two or three years ago, started adding to that, giving betadine in the nose on the day of surgery. And so what we're trying to do there is we're trying to reduce the overall amount of bacteria on the patient because the 90 plus percent of infections on orthopedic implants, specifically joint replacements, are skin bacteria. So the assumption is that we don't know 100%, but the assumption is that those skin bacteria are just getting from the skin into the incision during the surgery. So even though we wash and scrub the, the knee and all that. So what we found is by decreasing the overall bacterial number before the operation, we can improve it improve our infection rates. And that has certainly been the case. And so now we give the patient a special soap and that soap they wash their entire body with for a week before the surgery. Then, you know, we do the two things in the nostrils, one antibiotic and one, the betadine the day of surgery. And the, uh, other is I have two now different solutions that I use in addition to the, the water that we're washing with, the sterile water, I use two different solutions. One during the case that I put in multiple times and just let it sit, and it is a, very good at killing bacteria. And then one that we're rinsing with at the end of the surgery, and it actually stays in. We don't wash it out. We, we rinse with it, and we, just, we leave that fluid in there, and that has some that kills bacteria on the longer term. And instead of using staples, we're now closing the skin with a special multi-layer closure. It used to be that we would use what's called interrupted sutures. So you'd have a suture, another suture, another suture, another suture on every layer. And then you would put staples in the skin. Well, everybody bled a little bit and the staples themselves cause these little red holes. Well, now I don't use staples. We use a special type of closure that each layer is zipped up tight. So even if there's fluid in the lower layers, meaning blood, it's not going to bubble up into the upper layers and then out. And if blood is coming out of the knee, blood can go back into the knee. And if there's bacteria, then bacteria can go back in. So infection, because of that, all those new technologies, infections are much less common. And the other is the blood clot. And one thing I didn't talk about as far as post-operative pain is I stopped using tourniquets for total knees, I don't know, about five years ago. We have some new medications now that can help control bleeding during the surgery. And so I no longer put a tourniquet on the thigh. And the reason that I think that helps, and we know this from studies, is it doesn't 
first of all, you know, you put this thing on, it's really tight. I mean, you wouldn't be able to tolerate it if you weren't asleep. So we put the person to sleep and then put this tourniquet on. Well, since we're not doing that anymore, that also reduces the chances of blood clots and it also reduces pain. So with respect to pain, longevity of the implants and uh, infection and blood clots, so the major complications that we worry about with knee replacements, all of those things have improved so dramatically over the last five, 10 years that someone who had a knee replacement 10 years ago had a completely different operation, especially now that we're using the robot. This is a completely different operation. And yes, are there still infections? Yes. Are there still complications? Yes. But there's no major complication that is higher than about 1%. In other words, about 1% of the patients will have a blood clot. Now, of those very few of those are very serious. Most of those are just a little blood clot in in the calf, and we give them some blood thinners for a while. And I haven't had one, and I don't remember last time I had one. It's been years. But we worry about them, and we, you know, in order to not have those, I don't use a tourniquet. We get them up moving. That's the other thing. You're up moving a couple hours after surgery, so you're not laying in bed. So all of these things, what I would say to the person who called my office and uh, requested this, <laughs> These are the things you can talk about. It is a much less painful, longer lasting, and safer operation than it was 10 years ago. And the results are just better overall. Um, the, the knee replacement that I use, the Striker Triathlon, and we will go over that again in details on another day, 99% five-year survival rate, and it just keeps going and keeps going. And it's also the highest rate of what they call forgotten knee and forgotten knee means you had your knee replacement but you don't think about it on a daily basis you basically forgot you had your knee replaced except that it doesn't hurt anymore and uh, that's that's one of the, the big factors in the knee replacement that I use so there it is those are the reasons that I would say that if someone is reluctant uh, they can overcome that and uh, feel like uh, getting a knee replacement is extremely safe it's going to last a very long time and it's nowhere near as painful as it used to be. So with that, uh, I will let you go and you have a blessed week, Iowa.